If you have a Bible, you want to turn with me to Luke 2. My guess is Christmas Eve service, you might not have brought it. In the bulletin, you'll find the Christmas story that I will be reading uh, and some other notes if you want to refer to that. It was two years ago uh, this month, December 2013, that the Oxford English Dictionary added a new word to the English language. The question is, do you know it? And I bet you, at a certain age, of course you know it. If you don't, it may say that you're getting up there in years like me. The word was FOMO. Does anybody know FOMO? It's fear of missing out. Uh, So fear of missing out became such a condition, such a reality, that two years ago it actually made it into the English dictionary. It's basically this, is that you live your life, And you're fearful that you're missing out on something or someone that will fill a vacancy in your life, a a hole in your life. Even the things that you're doing now, you're fearful that there's something else going on that's even better. Which we all know there's nothing better than this, right? But anyway, this FOMO. And studies say that the millennials, those who were born in the 80s, 90s, and 2000s, those have acute uh, affiliation with FOMO apparently because they've always been attached to social media and because they've never known a world where that connected to everybody else, they're always wondering, is it better over there? Is there a party going on? Is there something happening? Oh no, I might be missing out. So our young people are growing up living with this fear, this FOMO, so much so it becomes a new word. Well, I wonder uh, at Christmas Eve if the innkeeper in Bethlehem ever had FOMO, a fear of missing out. An innkeeper whose name the Bible never records, all it tells us about him is that he was actually having great success because Caesar Augustus had issued a decree. And a decree was, okay, I want more taxes, so we're going to count everybody up, and to do so, we need everybody to go back to their hometown. And that reality meant a lot of people are traveling. And so this innkeeper had a complete inn that was filled up to capacity. No room at the inn. And he missed the greatest opportunity of his life. And the greatest opportunity of eternity. And I, I don't know if he ever knew it. I don't know if he never knew the reality of what actually could have happened in his inn. Because he had no room for Joseph, no room for Mary with child, and basically no room for baby Jesus. And so the story goes to a manger. The story goes to a feeding trough. Talk about missing a great opportunity, wouldn't you think? Can you imagine uh, the marquee for that innkeeper at the Bethlehem Best Mideastern? God was born here. We will leave the eternal light on for you. That could have been an amazing thing for him, but he missed out. What about you? What is the greatest missed opportunity of your life? I bet if I ask you that, doesn't, for some of you, it doesn't take long. Maybe for some others, you have to think about it for a little bit longer. But what was your life's greatest missed opportunity? Because the reality is it's those missed opportunities that fuels the fire of FOMO. It fuels the fire of missing out. And there seems to be a great correlation between FOMO and the occupancy of our hearts at least the occupancy level of our hearts. It's into that fear. It's into that reality that the good news of Christmas is proclaimed. 
It's proclaimed so much that, that before social media came, angels came. And they were the social media. And they, they filled the skies and they proclaimed good news. And they would say this in Luke 2, 20. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The reality of Christmas, the reality that Jesus came for you, that reality is this, that we should FOMO no more. Yes, I said it. Because of the reality that God is here, fear no more, FOMO no more, God is with us. So we're going to look at what that actually means to us. So we're going to read the story in Luke 2, verses 1 through 7. Uh, for those of you who live in Spring Valley, go home and turn left at the second left, I think, and you'll be able to see this story again. Has everybody seen that? It's pretty amazing. I don't know how many, how many years in a row have they been doing that? Um, I don't know how many they have, but something our family tradition is we go and we, we read that story that is uh, proclaimed in that neighborhood. But let's hear it from God's word. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you that we have great joy because great good news has come for all of us that you would love us enough that you would send Jesus to come into our darkness, come into our brokenness, come into our, our vacancy and fill them with your reality and with your love and your life and your presence. And God, it's such a cool story to think that you would use a Roman governor to execute your plan, that through an actual census, you would send a little girl from Nazareth to make her way with Joseph down to Bethlehem to give birth to Jesus. Why Bethlehem? Because that's what the prophet said, that in Bethlehem a Savior would be born. But God, we thank you that the story isn't contained just in Bethlehem, that this is worldwide news that does produce great joy, that this little Jesus is God's son, Emmanuel, a God with us. And all of our hopes are realized in you tonight. Come and be with us. Would you allow us to peek again afresh into your story, into your reality? And would you allow us to to see clearly enough for us, each of us, to find room in our hearts for you? God, the things that I say that are wrong or merely my opinion, may those things fall away and be forgotten. But the things that are said that are true, and to contain the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Use, up, use those things to make us more like your son, our savior. And it's in his name we pray, amen. In your bulletin, you'll find a little outline for if you want to follow along. 
the first thing we realize that the Christmas story is this, is that Jesus came to dwell, to be with us, but he came to dwell in the vacancy of God's story. What would the story of Superman be without Clark Kent? I mean, if you didn't have Clark Kent, Superman's story, well, it wouldn't exist. If you didn't have Jesus Christ, God's story, the Bible would be incomplete. There wouldn't be a happy ending. There would be no hero that that would rise up and do all the things that a hero was promised to do. You see, without Jesus in the story, it's just empty. Well, Jesus came and the Bible says that he was going to come. And he says certain things about who was to come. He said that one would come that would be a prophet. One that would be the prophet above all prophets. If you ever read the Bible, you know that prophets are those that God has raised up to speak for him. And they often say things and that they end their sentence with these things. Thus saith the Lord, a prophet that God rises up, goes among God's people and says, let me tell you what God says. Thus says the Lord. Well, Jesus appears and he is the ultimate prophet. The Bible said he'd come. It's interesting what the writer of Hebrews says about him. He says about these prophets, they used to speak in different ways at different times. But in the end times, in these times, God showed up personally, God's son. And when he spoke, he spoke the final word. No other word needs to be uttered because he is the ultimate prophet that fills that story. When Jesus comes, he says, I'm it. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. And You can just picture him, just drop the mic. Nothing else needs to be said. He fills that void. God has come and he has spoken to us himself. The final word, God in flesh. But not just a prophet who was to come. The Bible tells us that there was a priest to come. And a priest was one that would represent God to the people and the people to God. And the priest was one that would offer a sacrifice for all of our sins because God is holy. And the Bible says that there's one prophet, priest that will come that will be good enough that he'll finally be able to offer a sacrifice that really works. The reason they kept doing the sacrifices over and over again, it didn't work. But the Bible says that there's one priest named Jesus who will come and he will offer a sacrifice. And after that, no more blood has to flow. After that, no more sacrifices have to be made. And the crazy thing about this story, it takes a beautiful twist, is that this priest, Jesus, comes as a high priest and he offers this ultimate sacrifice. And he is the ultimate sacrifice. Never will we see that coming. That not only does he offer it, but he himself is that sacrifice. And now truly in him, the story is complete. Our sins really are forgiven. Jesus is the one the Bible talks about, a a promised hero. It talks often about a humble servant. And this humble servant will appear on the scene. And what he will do is he'll take all of God's promises. And God's promises are huge. I mean, God promises big things because he's a big God. And all the promises of God, this this one humble servant will make come true, will realize for all of us. That's the story of, of Christmas. That the hero has come. And the hero has come for you. And the hero has come in such an incredible, powerful, personal way that the promises of God are yours in him, in Christ Jesus. You see, there's a vacancy in God's story that only God's son could fill. 
Jesus is the only one. Without him, the Bible's vacant. Without him, the Bible is empty. Without him, the story is incomplete. Not only that, but Jesus not only came to fill that vacancy in the story, he also came to fill the vacancy of the world. The Bible tells us that God made the world in such a way that that man and God were supposed to dwell together. In the beginning of the story, that's how it was. It was beautiful. It was harmonious. God made us in his image and he made us for a relationship with him. And the Bible says we were able to do things like walk with him in the cool of the evening because that's what we were designed to do. But something in the story went tragically wrong. Although God created the world for himself, he created us to be in relationship with him Instead, we chose sin. Instead, we chose rebellion. And our sin drove God away and replaced his presence with darkness. And our world will forever have a void in it until God returns. Listen to the lyrics of O Holy Night. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. Jesus is called Emmanuel, God with us. Again, God is, is re-entered into the stories, re-entered in the world that he has created. He came to dwell with us. The vacancy in the world has been filled. I love what John says we read this, morning, this evening. It says this, In him was life, Jesus, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. It's basically saying that the, the void of darkness when his presence wasn't there, this is what Jesus stepped into. He's light and he's life. And the darkness didn't overcome it and his light shines. John 1, 14 and 16 says this, and the word Jesus, well, he became flesh and he dwelled, he hung out, he lived among us and we've seen his glory. Glory is the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. And from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. Jesus came to fill in the vacancy of this world, the God vacancy. The world without Jesus, it's empty. It's vacant. But thirdly, and most importantly tonight, Jesus came to dwell in the vacancy of our hearts. Jesus came to dwell in the vacancy of your story. Jesus came to dwell in the vacancy of your life. Jesus came to dwell in the vacancy of your hearts. We studied this year the book of Ecclesiastes. And the book of Ecclesiastes, in Ecclesiastes 3.11, says something amazing about all of us. Each one of you has been made in God's image, and you're fearfully and wonderfully made. That's Genesis 1. But it says about our hearts specifically, it says that God has put eternity into our hearts that every single one of us has eternity in our hearts. And what can fill eternity? You see, FOMO, the fear of missing out, and eternity in our hearts creates a critical heart condition that only God can fix, that only God can fill. And that's the beautiful reality of Christmas. FOMO, no more. There is room in God's story for you. The beautiful thing about the manger in Bethlehem, I mean, it was a dirty feeding trough. And maybe for some of us who have wandered so far and some of us who've messed our lives up pretty big to say, is there any room in God's story for my story? Yes, there's room in God's story for each one of us. He says, anyone who comes to me, I'll I'll never drive away. Not only is there room in God's story, there's room in his world. There's, There's room in his kingdom. 
He came from the lost and for the broken. And no matter who you are, no matter where you've been, incredibly, no matter what you've done, religious or not, there's room for you. This, this God who is, is a God who has never said there's no vacancy. Who's never said to one, you know what? You're not my style. You're not my type. He's never said to one, no thanks. The Bible says, whosoever shall come. Whoever just has a desire, who says, you know what? I, I realize the reality is true. I have a vacancy in my heart. There's a brokenness that I can't fix. I've tried to pour the world into it. It's only gotten worse. And those of us who know that grace and know the reality that on our own, we were made for something more. We're made for him. And we have a hole that only he can fill. The good news of Christmas Eve is he's come to fill it. There is room in his story for you. There's room in his world for you. And the only question is this. Is there room in your heart for him? That's the question. The reality is, is he's the one who's created your heart. He's the one who has uh, put eternity into your heart. It's only him who will fit there. And the reality is, it's only him who belongs there. And whatever you try to put in its place, it's never going to be enough. You'll always want more. It'll never satisfy enough. The question is, is there room in your heart for Jesus tonight? When I ask you the question, what is the greatest misopportunity of your life? Some of you said, I got it. I know it. As a matter of fact, my kids know mine so much. They'll say, Dad, are you going to tell them yours? No, I'm not. But they know it. The greatest missed opportunity of your life is not making room in your heart for Jesus. I mean, an incredible story that no vacancy of an inn kept someone from a great opportunity. But a more clear reality is the gospel being offered to you, that Jesus has come and wants to give you life and forgiveness today. That the only thing required of you is faith. The only thing required of you is, is there room in your heart for him. This would be the greatest missed opportunity. This is really life and death, according to the Bible. Because with Jesus... Not only does he forgive, but he gives life and life abundantly. He gives life and life eternity. FOMO, fear no more. Emmanuel, God is with us. We sang these words tonight. Joy to the, Lord, Lord, joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. Have you prepared room for Jesus? Who is filling the vacancy of your heart? Have you made room for the greatest gift that God has ever and will ever give? Because until you make room in your heart for him, your life will be forever vacant, empty, and void. But a great gift that we can unwrap by God's grace and faith today and have that joy of the world that Jesus is mine. As I was getting ready tonight, I found in my armoire, I didn't know it was there, a 20-year-old card from my oldest daughter. The early service, my whole family was here, so I didn't give a name, but it was from my oldest, Jesse, who's now married. And she wrote this. I'm glad, G-A-L-D, good speller, Jess. I'm glad Jesus is my Savior 
and in my heart, I love Jesus. What an incredible joy of a parent to know that the greatest gift that God has ever given is in the heart of my kids. Of all the gifts you're gonna give your kids tomorrow, there'll be none greater than pointing them to Jesus. And the question for you young people, the question for your parents and grandparents, is Jesus in your heart tonight? Don't miss this opportunity. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you that you wouldn't leave us alone. We thank you that you wouldn't allow our hearts not to be filled. God, thank you for putting eternity in our hearts. How wise of you, how smart. Because the reality is this, that the whole world cannot fill eternity. That there's not one person here whose heart is sufficient apart from you to really have life, joy, and meaning. And God, we thank you that you've promised to come and to fill that eternity. You promised that you'll continue to fill it and that one day you'll drive away all the darkness. But even now, we can have the joy of knowing that you love us and that you're for us. God, in a crowd this size, I'm sure there's many who have never made room in their heart for you. I'm sure there are many that have probably heard the Christmas story and many that maybe even about around church and maybe they've been around church their whole life. But the reality is, is their heart is a lot like that in in Bethlehem, no vacancy. And God, if that's the reality, they're missing the greatest opportunity that you have ever given. The opportunity for life and forgiveness and brought into your family. And God, I pray that you would come with power to the one who is yet to make room and and just remind him or her that you love them and are for them. And that God, all they have to do is embrace Christ to say, come into my heart, forgive my sins. And the joy is you will run. You will run to them and embrace them. Thank you that they'll never say no vacancy over your love. Thank you that he'll never say, no vacancy, go away, I don't want you, to any sinner. But you freely love and give life to all by your grace that turn to you. And God, for those of us who have already embraced Christ, may we make more room in our hearts for him. He's our Lord, he's our King, he's our Savior, and he's the only one who could fill it. Thank you for the gift of gifts, your son Jesus. And may he shine into our lives, we pray in Christ's name, amen. We began our service by reading John 1. And John 1 would tell us that this Jesus, he is eternal God. Although he came to Bethlehem, he always was. And through this Jesus, he created all things. And it says in John 1 that this Jesus came into the darkness. And the darkness not only didn't understand it, more importantly, it didn't overcome it. Jesus wins. Light wins. Even in our own hearts, the light of Christ will never go out. Tonight, we're going to sing the last couple of songs. I'm going to light uh, the candle from the Christ candle that burns. And when Jesus came into the world, he says, I am the light of the world. I've come in to drive out the darkness in your life and in this world. And now in Christ Jesus, he says, we are the light of the world. I love this part of the service because as we light the candles It shows a picture of an inward reality for those of us who, by God's grace, are his. 
that his light shines. As we light from the light candle, may the light of Christ shine brightly in your life and in your world so the world can see the beauty of Jesus. As the ushers come forward, we'll light our lights together.